Welcome to 7-Minute Torah. I'm Rabbi Micah Streifer. In this podcast, we explore the weekly Torah portion in about 7 to 10 minutes. We make modern meaning out of ancient texts, exploring them through liberal Jewish eyes. To become a supporter of this podcast, please visit patreon.com slash 7-Minute Torah. All right, welcome everybody. This week, as promised, we are starting a new book of the Torah. In Hebrew, we call it Dvarim, which means words, because the Parsha and the book open by saying, Ele Hadvarim, these are the words that Moses addressed to all Israel on the other side of the Jordan. In English, we call it Deuteronomy, and it comes from the word du, which means two or second, because this is known as the second telling of the Torah. Truly, this entire book consists of Moses retelling events that have happened, and giving advice for the future. So the Parsha is, of course, also known as Devarim, and it constitutes Deuteronomy from the beginning of chapter 1 through chapter 3, verse 22. And this Parsha, like the rest of Deuteronomy, is all Moses talking. It's just one long set of speeches that Moses gives while standing by the shore of the Jordan River as the people are about to cross over. So the Parsha and the book purport to be Moses' kind of last will and testament. And as I said, one of the things he does is retell stories of places that the Israelites have already been. But there's a problem, because Moses' retellings don't always match the original version of the story that we have. So let me give you an example. This is chapter 1, verse 22. Moses says, All of you came to me and said, Let us send agents ahead to reconnoiter the land for us and bring back word on the route we shall follow and the cities we shall come to. I approved of the plan, and so I sent from among you twelve participants, one representative from each tribe. Now, if you remember, this is a story we already know. Back in Numbers, we read the story of the Israelites sending scouts up into the land to reconnoiter the land, to check out what's going on in there, and to bring back word. This was the incident that led to the Israelites having to wander in the desert for 40 years because the scouts brought back this mixed report that led the people to rebel and God punished them or decreed that they weren't ready to enter the promised land yet. So we might think that Moses is just retelling that story. But if you listen closely to what I just said, it's actually a totally different story. Moses just said, All of you came to me and said, Let us send agents. And the thing is, the first time we read this, it wasn't the people's idea at all. It was God's idea. God commanded Moses to send these scouts. And if we dig a little deeper we find other differences also. In the original story, the scouts gave a negative report. The scouts said, we don't think we can go up into the land. In Moses' version of the story, the scouts just come back and say, it's a nice land, y'all. And the people say, no way, we're not going up. So there's a bunch of changes here that shift the blame and shift the emphasis toward the people's fidelity to God. Were the people faithful? Did they have enough faith in God and in the covenant and in the proper 
worship and proper relationship with God to be able to move forward. So what's going on here? Why would Moses tell the story in a way that's different from the first telling, and also in a way that places so much emphasis on the people and their fidelity? I want to step outside of the Torah story for just a moment and, um, and be textual archaeologists. Elsewhere in the Bible, in the book of 2 Kings, we read a story about King Josiah. Josiah is one of the last kings of Judah, one of the last royal descendants of David, before the kingdom of Judah is uh, conquered by the Babylonians in the year 586 BCE. And the story tells, without reading you the whole text, this is from 2 Kings chapters 22 and 23, the story tells that King Josiah's people found a scroll in which all the laws were, were laid out, the way that they were supposed to be worshiping God. And it says that when the scroll was read to the king, the king rent his clothes, he tore his clothes, and he said, Great indeed must be God's wrath that has been kindled upon us, because our ancestors did not obey the words of this scroll to do all that has been prescribed for us. In other words, we haven't been worshiping God correctly. We've been getting it wrong. We need to change. We need to reform the way that we worship God if we want to be in line with what God demands of us. And Josiah then goes about instigating a reform of Israelite religion. He destroys all the high places, he forbids the worship of all these other gods, and he consolidates all worship to the one God in the one temple in Jerusalem. Now, why am I telling you this story? Why am I telling you about what happened some seven or eight centuries after Moses is even purported to have lived? The reason is that scholars believe that that scroll that Josiah and his people found and read was possibly the kernel of the book of Deuteronomy. In other words, the book that we're beginning this week is very possibly a book whose purpose was to serve as an impetus for a great religious reform. And this is the reform that gives us Judaism as we know it. This is the reform that gives us monotheism and that gives us the form of Israelite religion that will ultimately evolve into Judaism which means that the book of Deuteronomy may be, in a sense, one of the first proto-monotheistic documents, one of the first scrolls, one of the first books to teach people that there's only one God and there's a right way to worship. And in fact, as you read through the book of Deuteronomy, which we'll do over the course of the next two months, we'll see that there's lots of what we call reward and punishment type theology if you worship God correctly, all these good things will happen. And if you don't, all these bad things will happen. So Deuteronomy is very, very focused around the idea of getting people to worship the one God and to do it, quote-unquote, correctly. Now, why would King Josiah, sitting in the 6th century BCE, king of Judah, want to do all this? Why would he be invested in reforming Israelite religion to bring people more in line with the worship of the one God? The answer is, of course, we don't exactly know, and there's lots of theories about it. I mean, it's possible that Josiah was looking to consolidate his own power as king of Judah. And if you bring the people in line religiously, 
then you bring them closer to being in line politically as well. If people aren't out worshiping the gods of Canaanites and the gods of neighboring peoples, if they are only worshiping the one god in the one place in the one temple, you as king have more control over their loyalties. And so that's the sort of cynical version of why Josiah might have done this, of why monotheism could have been originally linked with political power. But the other possibility layered on top of that is that this was really about Jewish unity. King Josiah lives only about a century or so after the destruction of the northern kingdom of Israel. The Assyrians had swooped down, flattened Samaria, conquered the kingdom of Israel, exiled its people all over the Assyrian Empire. This is the origin of the idea of the ten lost tribes. The ten tribes of Israel that were part of that northern kingdom are lost. The only tribes left are Judah and Simon and some Levites that are part of the southern kingdom of Judah. And so Josiah and probably the people of Judah are quite afraid that this could happen to them as well. And they need something to rally around. At the same time, it's likely that thousands of refugees from the northern kingdom of Israel had come south into Judah. I mean, after all, it was nearby. They spoke the same language. It was a fellow Israelite kingdom. They had a lot in common. And so Josiah is very possibly trying to unite the people of Judah and Israel into some kind of sense of unified peoplehood, especially in the face of the threat of the resurgent Babylonian Empire in the north. And we know that religion can be an incredible unifier. Religion can bring people together in extraordinary ways. And so scholars believe that Josiah foments this religious reform in order to unite the Jewish people, in order in many ways to create a Jewish people. And here's the amazing thing, it worked. A couple of decades later, the Babylonians swoop down and they do destroy us. They conquer Jerusalem, they flatten the temple, and the Jews are sent into exile. And the books that we're reading, the books that will become the Torah, become an important unifying factor for the Jews in exile. They become something to rally around and something to unite around, so that when the Jews return from exile 70 years later and rebuild Jerusalem, they carry with them the stories and the books of what will make up the Torah. So when we read the opening of the book of Deuteronomy, we are in many ways reading the very kernel of Judaism. It contains the idea of the one God. It contains the idea that all Jews are responsible to each other and to God and to this covenant. And it very possibly constitutes the words that began to unite our people, that helped us begin to transform ourselves into the religious civilization that would become Judaism. It says, these are the words that Moses spoke. Now, I don't know whether Moses literally spoke them or not, but I do know that these words have sat at the very center of Jewish consciousness for 25 centuries, and that in many ways, we owe the fact of Judaism, the fact that we're still here, to the fact that these words were written and promulgated. So I like that 
these words are actually looking in all different directions. Moses is looking backwards in order to give the Israelites stories that they can carry forward with them into the promised land. And beneath the surface, Josiah is looking backwards to give the Jews stories that they can carry with them into exile. And we, sitting here in 2023, can look backwards and realize that we have been carrying these stories with us. That they make us who we are, that they unite us as a people, and that we continue 2,500 years later to carry the responsibility of reading them and interpreting them and making new meaning from them. So I'm looking forward to our journey through the book of Deuteronomy together. Thanks for listening, everyone, and have a great week. 7-Minute Torah is a production of La Asok, Sacred Texts, Modern Meaning. If you enjoy this program, please consider becoming a sponsor at patreon.com slash 7-Minute Torah. For more information about upcoming learning opportunities, go to laasoka.org, L-A-A-S-O-K dot org. I'm Rabbi Micah Streifer. Thanks for listening.